You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Guidepost. We've been on a redfish kick lately. Uh, Tony here, VP and Policy Director, and I am joined by my new kind of co-host. He's on here a lot now with me lately, Blaine Chocolate. Blaine, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Did you go? You didn't go fishing today, did you? Or did I did you? not, but I thought about okay. it a lot. <laughs> I thought about it a lot, too, man. <laughs> that's okay that's okay man it's they'll still be out there hopefully so um so your new kick blaine you're doing a lot of red fishing lately and you're uh you're doing it in virginia um and it's pretty cool stuff right you're still kind of learning the fishery poking around you got a nice little skiff here you're breaking yeah, in yeah. right yeah I, I got a new skiff i got an outlaw from drake and uh i love it uh you know just learning how to pull and um, which I've done a lot of over the years, but you, you add current and wind and all that kind of stuff. It changes it a lot. Um, it, I love the process, you know, I mean, it's been my whole life trying to, you know, school of hard knocks, you know, I'd rather learn it, you know, flip talks about it a lot about, you know, getting a map and figuring it out on your own and don't get advice from other people. You know, it's, it's really, you, you, you learn a whole lot from that. Right. And I've been doing it. Uh, you find them some days you don't the other and you're figuring out, why that didn't happen and you know just put it in your notes and look at it next year you just build on it uh so i'm enjoying that process you know i'm seeing a lot of cool stuff um it makes me love redfish even more the fact that i've been able to fish them in just about every state that they live in um from here to, to south carolina north carolina georgia florida alabama mississippi louisiana texas um, it, it, each, each state offers something unique. Um, wouldn't you say, terrible. wouldn't you say Blaine that Louisiana is kind of Jerusalem for, I, w- I for would that? absolutely, I would, I would absolutely <laughs> say that it's definitely, it's, it's one of the most unique fisheries I've ever experienced, especially with redfish. Uh, it, it has everything that you love about redfishing, except they, in the past, what I've experienced, they're a lot more forgiving than a lot of other places in the country. That being said, it's like anything else that you see, especially me as a guy to 30 plus years, uh, fish get pressured, things change, fisheries change. That's kind of what we're here tonight to talk about. The fish get a little bit tougher. The environment gets tougher. Everything changes over time. But I will say that uh, just being down there in Louisiana, um and seeing what there is to offer and it's 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 really amazing it's such a wild place it's it's like it's like being in the everglades um but no trees you know what i mean it's just it's the marsh is so expand it's so expansive that's a t-shirt i think i saw that t-shirt on amazon uh (laughs) it's like it's like being in the everglades but no trees like that's all that's prophetic man so listen, it reason why it's we're bringing up Louisiana question. is we got we got Bailey Short, Captain Bailey Short joining us today, who is none other than a redfish guide from Louisiana. Welcome to this uh this group of crazy podcasters, Bailey. I know you were out fishing today because I got a picture of uh a red <laughs> drum that looks like it could have swallowed a baby goose um so i know you did okay so how are you doing sir thank you for joining us today yeah guys uh thanks for having me on um yeah i was out on the water today we got a good uh kind of like a three-quarter day in i guess uh and it was good you know i was talking to uh blaine a little bit before we got started and you know uh we're in that kind of mode where um we're transitioning into fall uh, fish are doing a bunch of different things, uh, which can be cool, but can also be a little bit, uh, challenging, uh, when you're trying to find them. 
Uh, we had them schooled up pretty big time last week. And with these cooler temperatures and different kind of uh, barometric pressure changes we're getting with some of these fronts that are starting to kind of work their way down uh, our way, these fish start branching off and getting up into the marsh. You know, that fish I sent you a uh, picture of today, you know, you're looking at a 40 plus inch redfish in less than a foot of water, you know, cruising around eating crabs. It's you start getting that kind of behavior uh more and more. Jesus and, um, Christ, man. Can you imagine you imagine what that crab's thinking? Seeing that coming? <laughs> like, well, you know it's crazy. I'm, I'm, to uh, me, Jesus, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> hey, I can't get out of this thing's way. There's nowhere to run, right? A foot of that, water. Look like a bullfrog. Look like a look like a golden bullfrog, man. With well, a that mouth, thing's I mouth mean. was all tore up. I mean, it, you could tell she had been, you know. It's crazy when you it, actually, that fish was crazy because so the guy that was fishing with me today is a client that fished with me all the time. He hooked the fish. It starts running directly at the boat and like he's not stripping fast enough to keep up with it. So I'm like, pull on him, pull on him. And the fish is just lollygagging its way at us. And I'm like, that fish doesn't even know it's hooked. And I'm like, pull on the damn thing. And then like, as soon as he puts some good bend in that rod, just it goes rolling. And, uh, it was pretty funny. I tell clients all the time, you know, these fish are eating crabs, they're eating shrimp, they're eating stuff that like, they don't know when they get hooked until you pull on them, they just think it's another, you know, crab pinching them while they dumpster the thing. So they don't even know what's going on. They're getting poked in the mouth every day. So, you know, you got to pull on I don't them a little think, bit yeah, to make them realize. Bailey, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are from like mid Atlantic and Northeast. And until you kind of get down to where Blaine's fishing, I mean, we can catch redfish, but we can target them on some years, but like not the way that y'all are doing it. And it's either you stumble on them or it's like bumper boats, right? It's because it's that the mm-hmm. big schools in open water. So, I mean, it's not, it's more like we're fishing for big stripers, but they're big redfish, right? You either you see them on the side scanning, you jigging for them in 40 feet of water, or they come up on a school of adult menhaden. Um, not what y'all are doing. Um, and I know Blaine's been doing, doing some of that stuff in Virginia. And I just wonder how y'all's fisheries are kind of vary a little bit, you know, uh, you're in the marsh. I know, I know where Blaine's at and it's, it's kind of crystal clear water. They're both eating shrimp, um, and crabs for sure. Um, but you know, they're such a crazy fish, uh, you catch them doing a lot of different things. I just, I wonder, I wonder what the differences are between y'all's fishers. Hey, Bailey, um, you know, I've been down there and fished your water. Uh, and I see, I see a lot of different forms of fishing. And I talked about this in an article recently that I wrote about how, how cool redfish are, because you can, you can kind of, I mean, you have a year round fishery down there, of redfish. I mean, most people in the fly industry, especially think of uh, Louisiana as a fall and winter deal, but I know you have them there year round. Um, I, you know, I mentioned in, in what I write about how these fish, you can kind of go from the super shallow bays, the ponds or whatever, and then crawling around eating crabs and whatnot. And then moving into uh, the transition spots where they go into those places, maybe trenches or canals or, or whatever. And then, moving out a little bit into the open bays and then into open water and how you transition into that. I mean, I find that really interesting, especially down there because you kind of have all of that. Um, We have some of that here, but you guys have all of that. And I I think it's really fascinating how you, you need different lines. You need different types of flies to match what the situation at hand in different seasons. I think, I think a lot of the listeners would really like to understand, um, how unique that is and how important it is to uh, learn all those different aspects of the redfish during those different times. Well, yeah, Blaine, you know, uh, something that, you know, I grew up, I'm from South Louisiana. I've grown up here my whole life. I've been fishing, uh, you know, these waters my whole life. And something that I uh, really love about this place as a fishery is like you're saying, the variation you get up, you know, no two days are the same. Uh, and 
even redfish behavior and what they're doing and where they're doing it can vary in the same week. They can be doing completely different things based off conditions. And, you know, something that uh, I've been working a lot with uh, actually Yellow Dog with and um, some of my other guides uh, that are here year round, we've been pushing that year round um, fishery uh, that Louisiana is. And it's something that like clients always ask, like, well, what's the best time of the year? You know, when should we come down fall, winter? Is that the time to be here? And what I always tell people is look for good fishing. It's not, you, you can throw the calendar, you know, in the, in the trash and you just have to get some decent weather. Um, it's more of a immediate condition kind of thing is what I talk about. And redfish are an equal opportunity eater for sure. Uh, they'll eat, you know, all sorts of different kind of bait. And you're very right in that the techniques you use are completely different. I mean, I'll tell uh, clients sometimes in the morning, you know, we're going to be covering a bunch of water. Uh, we're going to be fishing, you know, bigger rods, 12 weight rods, uh, 11 weight rods with poppers and stuff. And like in a situation where you have, let's say, redfish schooling uh, in open water, um, chasing bait, they could be chasing uh, pogies. They could be chasing mullet. Um, they, or they could just be popping shrimp. You know, you want a big fly or like actually a popper is a great way to get their attention because, um, you know, you want something that the fish can locate. Uh, you know, like, I, I mean, you've seen the stuff like in a trout stream where like there's like a giant caddis hatch and there's so many caddis flies that like, you're like, oh, they're not even going to recognize. Sometimes it's kind of the same thing down here. We have so much bait in the water. You got to throw something that's big. You got to throw something that's going to move water. Um, so those fish can find that fly and get on it because they're going to eat it. If they can find it, they just have to find it. And then in the same breath, uh, days like today where we're fishing more in the marsh, you want to have something that's not going to like, you know, give them a concussion when you knock it, when you drop the fly in the water next to them or something like it's got to be a little bit more subtle. Uh, you still like a little bit of movement because as you know, Blaine, you've been down here. I always ask this to clients when you're down here, how many things do you see move in the water that look like a fish feeding or it's like bait popping around on the surface? You know what I mean? I mean, it's like every cove you go in, it's just, teeming with either shrimp or mullet so mullet mullet guys, everywhere how many how many times yeah. you a mullet you know after i'm sure after all the time you spend on the water you don't turn around but like your first couple of days there if you don't live there every two seconds you get you oh get like whiplash from turning around a giant mullet skying out of the water i tell the clients look quit prairie dogging okay you're looking around at everything that splashes you're gonna know when you see the submarine like coming down the bank that's the redfish and I always like, I'm always like, look, you'll know it when you see it. And then they're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, that's the redfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The massive deep V coming down. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the coolest things about this place, man, is it's a, it's a year round fishery, 12 month fishery, but then the, the variation, I mean, I, it's just any two times you come down here and even in the same trip, you're down here, you'll, you'll be faced with more technical shallow water fishing to like run and gun big schools under birds or whatever. And you never know. I mean, you really never know until the day of, and that's, it keeps it fun for me as a guide. And then like, you know, as an, as a recreational client, you know, traveling angler, you can come down here and it's not like, I always tell clients, you, if you've done this a couple of times and you've always had like that marsh fishing experience, there's a whole nother world that you haven't even seen that just hasn't happened when you've been here. And that's, what's pretty cool about it. It stays pretty fresh for sure. Yeah, and if you're if you're really a sick son of a bitch, you can go and try to catch a sheep's head on the fly, right? Because that's, I mean, that's like I would be like after a couple of redfish, I'd be like, man, are there sheep's head around? Because that's just evil, right? It's just hateful. That's, like catching one of those things on the fly is not easy. Man. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, like yeah, pinstripe permit, uh, dude. <laughs> that's a masochist game for sure, and you know we we see them all the time. They do. What's actually one thing that's cool about the sheep set is like when the water gets high in the marsh, uh, red fishing can get kind of tough sometimes. Uh, sheep's head love it. There's these little snails that like are up in the grass and you know, all the bait starts getting up in the grass as the water gets the high into the grass. Man. The periwinkles. Everybody eats the periwinkles, man. My, and my parents were in Charleston. Man. 
Bailey, when the when they had a king tide, my parents were right off the Ashley River in Charleston, and you'd see the you you'd see like the t- the tips of the grass, the little periwinkle snails that hadn't gotten away, and they're just like holding on to the top, like oh my god, start going down. <laughs> start going down like the, the water's like exactly. three inches below them and you're like come on god give them a break man let's blow some of that water out <laughs> poor little things holding on for hours man they're just like i'll never do this again i swear so yeah the periwinkles yeah so does sheep oh, yeah. that eat the periwinkles oh yeah dude you'll just watch them like just cruising and you can hear them like grabbing the ones just as they think they're getting out of the water. You'll hear the sheep said like nibbling, like it's crazy. They get up in there and, and get after them for sure. So now, I'll tell you the other, uh, the, another great fish, obviously is the, the, the very underrated Jack, which I love. I love Jacks. Absolutely. So, are you having a good season on those or is it kind of unpredictable how they show up and disappear? Well, I tell you what, uh, the last three years has been some excellent jack fishing. Uh, we've gotten a little bit um, like more salinity up in the marsh uh, just because of, of some different things going on with some of the rivers down here and how they're dumping their water out. And um, yeah, the jack fishing, like, I mean, dude, last week, I wish I could have filmed some of it because we had just hundreds of them, you know, coming down, blowing stuff up. And yeah, they're they are one of the more underrated fish for sure. I mean, their feeding behaviors, as you know, when you see them blitzing and stuff, it's like, how do you not get excited about that? Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, people travel thousands of miles to go to the Seychelles to get a jack, and uh, I and nothing against that, but man, uh, I think the jack are valid. I don't understand it. I don't I understand it. A, a much more pretty, prettier fish than a, a GT. And, you know, I'm just saying, I mean, it, they're gorgeous. I love them. I've caught them as big as they get. And I just think they're one of the most underrated species out there. And uh, forever, they were just like treated like trash. And I think I think obviously in recent years, with the help of of uh, some of the GT experts like Yaku that love them, I mean, they're, are, they're trying to show light to how great and you guys down in down there i mean you i mean it's it's part of the part of the game which makes louisiana so special i mean you guys could catch i mean i've been down there and we i mean you got jacks and giant reds feeding together in schools it's, oh yeah it, that that's that's special man i mean that's why you go there i mean i we i don't i haven't seen that anywhere else i mean i've been in south carolina and had tarpon tarpon and jacks feeding giant jacks feeding together with uh with sharks and that was pretty special but uh, what I've seen down there with you guys, I mean, it's 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 amazing. It, it really is. And people that haven't seen that, they got to go see it. It's it yeah. You look plain. You, you you talk about it like Cosmoloto, right? Sessions. You're talking ten ten grand a week minimum, and <laughs> you may get you may get two or three shots. I mean, good shots. You you put two fish in hand, and that's a successful week. And like Bailey's got a video up on his Instagram where he's <laughs> telling the client to get the fly away from the jack because there's like 50 giant redfish behind it. And you can see the jack's just like, and I'm like, Christ, let him have it. And the guy, the guy ends up, I mean, he ends up just like making an eight foot roll cast and this bullfrog looking redfish just takes it and boom, off to the race is gone, like off the bow of the boat. And I was just like, you know, if you showed that that clip to the people who were planning their Cosmoloto trip, I'd be like, man, the food's better here. You don't have to get 35 shots because <laughs> you're going to get like dangy fever if some mosquito sandfly thing bites you. And like, you know, people are nicer too. I'm partial to them. But I mean, like for the love of Pete. And, and then you could have a day where you're like, I, I don't catch anymore. Right. Like oh, I, right. T- take me, I don't, I'm good with the jacks. Take me somewhere where there's like 24 inch redfish. I want to catch another jack. Right. Well, that I mean, video they'll be you're referring out to, of yeah, that, that guy I had fishing on that video you're referring to, uh, it was like getting close to lunchtime and like, he was on like Jack number six. So I'm like, look, you can't eat lunch until you catch a redfish. I'm not letting you stop. <laughs> and I'm just like, he's like, I'm tired. I can't do another jack, man. He's like, arms are shaking as he's lifting the rod and i'm like 
pouring water on the guy. I'm like, come on, you got to keep going until <laughs> we get a red. But uh, yeah, you know, sometimes the fishing down here can turn into a bit of an endurance uh, workout situation, you know, so we, we offer that as well. That, but, that's, um, that's, that's what makes, that's what makes it great. I mean, and, and that's what you have to really appreciate that, um, you know, in a lot of places it's like, you know, you should have been here five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago and seen what it is. And I think that's kind of why we're here tonight is talk about what you guys have and how great it is now. And it's on the, it's teetering, right? I mean, there's, it's, uh, not to not to bring a damper to this all awesome conversation. Yeah. I, I've been there. I've been there quite a bit, and I love it down there. And I can't wait to get back. But I have in the short time I've been able to fish down there. I've seen changes, and I've seen problems, and I've seen you know what what needs to be fixed, what we can do as humans to fix it. Obviously, there's a lot of things that are out of our control as far as far as environment and weather patterns and all that kind of stuff. It, it's short term, uh, but long term, there's a lot of things that we can do to try to make sure that everybody gets to experience the things that I have. And I definitely, as Tony knows, we want our kids to see what I, we've seen. And you know, I know you feel that way, too. So uh, Absolutely. I think we should talk about that a little bit as well. Yeah. So, Bailey, I guess the two big things in Louisiana. Well, there's a bunch of big things in Louisiana. The two things that we're going to talk about <laughs> is... Uh, the speckled trout stock assessment came out a little while back, right before COVID and COVID kind of put a damper on, you know, any, any real action on the, on that science, uh, mm -hmm. until recently. And we're, we're kind of coming around the corner almost at the end of that. I think the final time for comments for that is into December, you know, coming up here. And then, um, we got a redfish stock assessment. And it has been a month of Sundays since they have done a redfish stock assessment. Uh, I think I think y'all are y'all are going to see data that you have never seen before. And I don't want to pick one or the other, right? Because I think they're linked. So if if both of them are healthy, everybody does good. All the guides in Venice, all the guides in Hopedale, where you are, Big Lake, Sabine, you know, everybody's doing good. All of boys down in like Cocodry, everybody's doing good if those two species are okay. But when something happens to one, it affects the other, and you get into a real big mess real fast. So I think that's what y'all are trying to avoid right now. You kind of you see the writing on the wall. So tell us, you know, what's going on with your fishery. Well, I mean, what you're t what you're talking about there is absolutely true in that, you know, the uh the speckled trout situation has kind of uh been looming now for a while and like you said right before COVID, we had some traction with getting some things changed and then COVID happened and you know, everything kind of got stuck in the mud. Um but something that you absolutely saw was a lot of these guys that were fishing speckled trout um, as, uh, you know, recreational and guided um, fishing trips um, weren't catching speckled trout. And and then they start catching more redfish and, and keeping more redfish. And so that's, you know, prime example of what you're speaking to there of, uh, you know, how they're linked and the welfare of both fish are important. And I completely agree with you in that, you know, there's no reason or need to try to pick one and 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 you know which fish is more important or whatever um what you just saw happen this past week you know is the uh, wildlife commission is um they're doing a notice of intent to up the size limit from a uh 12 inch fish to a 13 and a half inch fish and then they're going to a 15 um daily bag limit uh down from 25 which you know, I always find when I tell clients that we can keep 25 speckled trout per person, uh, they are shocked. I mean, it's it's um, it's a massive amount of fish. Uh, certainly, a lot of work when you get back to the, uh, you know, to the boat dock if you're keeping all those fish. Um, and you know, for as long as I've been alive, that's kind of been the way things have been. But you've absolutely seen um, in my lifetime, I can speak to a massive decline in the fishery. Um, the quality of the fish caught, the amount of the fish caught. And, um, 
you know, that's always depressing and, 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 and concerning to see something like that. But, uh, this decision by the commission is a great, uh, step in the right direction. Um, you know, they're acknowledging the need for some, for some change going forward and kind of what we've been doing has obviously not been a good thing, um, with the fishery, especially like you said, without getting into it, factoring in a whole list of other issues, um, you know, this is something that we can start to impact um, as anglers, as guides now um, to help the fish. Um, so, you know, you look at that and it gives you some hope. It gives you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the, the, um, the change. I think it's going to be a good thing, uh, obviously, you know, and, and it's interesting, Tony. I think uh, two years ago when this really first started getting spoken about a lot, there was quite a bit of public um, pushback. Um, people were hesitant to lower the limits. People were didn't really want to look at it. I'll say that since they've announced it, um, I see a lot of a lot of people acknowledging the need to reduce uh, the limit from twenty five to fifteen, um, which is good. I mean, I think people have kind of seen over the last couple of years that there really is an issue. Um, you know, people have had historically tough fishing. Uh, and so what better way to kind of like warm up to the idea that we need to do something than, you know, two years of not catching near as many fish as people used to, uh, it's kind of like learning the hard way, so to speak. So, well, I tell you, you know, the cool thing about Louisiana is these fish are not, you know, they're not stripers. It doesn't take them, neither species, it doesn't take them seven or eight, eight years to mature sexually mature redfish good to go three four years speckled trout's good to go at nine months i mean yeah the rabbits a rabbit is jealous of a speckled trout um <laughs> you know so i mean it's a it's they, those things have the ability to produce really i mean and in, in the in the how fast they grow it's a to me if you were ever going to do an experiment and say, hey, let's just see what happens in three years. It, if we do this, if we're a little bit more conservative, the fishery has the potential to explode if you if you take a little bit of fishing pressure off of it. And redfish, you know, likewise, yeah, okay. I mean, their spawns are a little iffy. You know, they're broadcast spawners. Uh, either the conditions or environmental conditions are right or not right. Every three, four years, you probably get a rock solid spawn of redfish. But the reality is, like, y'all aren't, well, I mean, I hate saying that because I haven't seen the stock assessment yet, but it's not like you have catastrophically bad spawns where there's just no fish, like, you know, an entire year class or two missing. That would definitely negative, negatively impact your fishery. But, you know, bottom line is, so many of the fish in the in the Mid Atlantic and the Northeast that we fish for takes a long time to mature, and you pay that price dearly uh, when you're trying to rebuild the stock. Um, from what I'm seeing, you know, the going down from 25 fish to 15 fish, raising that size limit from 12 to 13 and a half inches, it may not seem like a lot, but I guarantee that those trout are going to be able to spawn at least once more in that, in that uh, yeah, time. That's frame. what I was going to say. Yeah. It should give and, them another spawn, which is great, man. I mean, think, just think about it. Like on a, you know, think about it on like a production scale. If it was a factory, you're, you're letting those things produce an, another time, one whole more time. If you, you know, <laughs> you're, you're probably raising if, if they're getting sexually mature at nine or 10 months, you harvest them at 12 inches. I mean, they probably had two good spawns. Maybe, maybe you add that third spawn. You theoretically you are increasing production by 30%. That's well, not, it's certainly a bigger, that's not a dumb RFP thing to do. Yeah, right. That's absolutely. I mean, that's a minimum, you know, that is, that is in, from our perspective, you kind of look and you're like, Holy mackerel, you guys didn't do this before. Like, man, if well, you saw the price that we're paying, Blaine, how how old? Step out of your put, take your redfish hat off for a second. You were telling me the other day, how old's a twenty inch smallmouth in one of your rivers? 
Oh man, I mean they could be up to eighteen years old. Wow. Six, you Can know, you imagine crazy. that, Bailey? You Bailey's <laughs> like, holy shit, I quit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Look at his face. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the oldest of the older that that old, I mean, you know, they're at least 12, 12 15, 17, 18 years. I mean, that eight that's maxed out, but I mean, you know, back in the day, and I say that back in the day, I mean I can say that now. <laughs> Getting older, uh, you know, it it was ridiculous. I mean, to be able to see what I saw, and I had no idea how good I had it. I mean, I do now, um, but yeah, it was it wasn't it was not much to catch a hundred bass a day between two anglers in a drift boat floating a river, and uh, you know, catch five or six fish over eighteen, nineteen inches a day, no no problem at all. And that tells you how many big fish that were in there. That was every day. So, um, you know. Yeah, it, so imagine, it, imagine that, Bailey. If took, you know, so if somebody kills one of your big fish, right, because they can do that in Louisiana, oh, that yeah. thing could legitimately be 50-plus years old. Not Don't even blink. Trust me, that's how – probably, I mean, the real giants, probably pushing like 70, 80 years old. Oh, um, yeah. Those old drum. And I – so that fish will be replaced like when my grandchild gets married, right? Or yeah. I have a I have a great grandchild and they're like, "Yeah, your great granddaddy was named Tony," right? I mean, that's that's how long it's going to take for that fish to be replaced. It's kind of like you know, um so so you know, a lot of the, a lot of what we do is trying kind of explain just difficult stuff in, in terms that everyone will understand and uh, and still keep integrity and honesty. So tell me if I fall off the tracks here, Bailey. So when speckled trout go down, and let's let's just say for lack of, you know, tons of time on the podcast, let's just say that the 25 fish limit had something to do with the decline and and the culture and the fish fries and and what the what the whole state is as a whole and that that pressure on speckled trout had something to do with the population declining and that stock assessment you know being so poor what happens to our friend the redfish the effort well they get the Go effort ahead. from the speckled trout, some of that effort shifts over to redfish. And now you have the same limit, more pressure, more oh, fish yeah. being well, taken. They, and now and now this is this is where we are with redfish. Tell us a little bit about like what you're seeing, Bailey. Well, yeah, I mean, just to like put that in a very like right away i mean what used to be pictures of the you know uh cleaning table or the front of the boat covered in speckled trout it's now usually covered in slot redfish with some over slots in there um so yeah they are getting a lot more pressure um like i said earlier from recreational and from uh charter captains um and you know in my lifetime i've seen um and every guide down here uh you know over the last decade especially we've seen there's less fish in the marsh. I mean, there's not as many redfish um, just where they should be. Um, they are absolutely also something that you see is the ones that are there are smarter. They are um, di more difficult to catch. Uh, they are getting fished to more often. And, you know, I mean, there's, there's less fish. And, and the big kind of like concern for us is, here we are um, watching, you know, what happened with speckled trout, knowing the fishing pressure has shifted to redfish, and that's already happened and, and has happened for a, a few years now at least. Um, where are we at with the redfish? And, and, and you know, our big, our big worry is wherever the speckled trout was, you know, when that stock assessment showed that it's in trouble, you know, how far are we down that road with redfish at this point already um, while we await this stock assessment? Um, that's kind of the big looming thing, right? I mean, we all see it. You see it as a guide on the ground level. There's less fish in the marsh. I mean, 
Blaine, I was talking to you right before we started this thing. I mean, today I had to cover a lot of water um, on a pretty decent condition day uh, to find a few fish. And the guy had to hit some sniper shots to catch them. I mean, you know, you're going to get a few opportunities. Um, you're fishing for a few big fish, but they're there. Um, but there's not a ton of them. And that's more and more becoming, a, a, you know, this is what I always say to people. Louisiana as a fishery, it's extremely resilient. It's proved that it's proved to be that over the course of its lifetime. We have a supercharged ecosystem. If you give it a little bit of, of, of a foothold, if you give it some traction, whatever you want to say, the fishery is going to, you know, it's robust. It's going to take care of itself. And so as uh, anglers, as guides, as, as fishermen, whatever, um, you know, if we can assist that ecosystem just a little bit, you're going to see um, improvement, I think, at least. I mean, it's shown to do that uh, time and time again. So That's, that's well said, man. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it, uh, Mother Nature has a way of, you know, fixing itself or fixing our, our, uh, our mistakes. Right. Uh, yeah. Every time I talk about this, that's kind of always something I, I get to is, you know, have we seen a decline? Absolutely. Um, are there some things that are, are negative and, and, and worrisome? Absolutely. But we're still in a fishery in a location that is literally like, like I'll say at the beginning of the show, it's it's the Jerusalem, it's the Garden of Eden for redfish. I mean, it's they're like the Mecca. I mean, so if you just give them some, you know, a foothold, uh, they're going to take care of themselves for sure. So, um, going from the predators, let's talk about prey because that's always been my my background and how I've always attacked fishing. Is you know, you have that whole predator and prey background. Um, you know, the prey, the, the predators are obviously dealing with us, you know, not only recreational, but commercially, uh, on them. But what are you seeing about the prey? I mean, the prey is, that's, that's probably more important than the predators because without the prey, there's no predators, right? So are you seeing, what are you seeing that needs help there? I know there, I know it needs it because I've seen it, I've seen it, um, uh, um, in a variety of ways. I mean, you have obviously the environmental issues, but um, what are you seeing that uh, we can do and we can bring light to the, the people who are listening to this uh, that t may not be aware of some of the struggles that on a, a daily, yearly, monthly basis with uh, the prey items out there? Well, I mean, you know, to me, that's kind of a hard um, thing to tackle. The, the The fishery out there, it's so uh massive and there is so much prey items i mean you have your up and i mean this year the shrimp patch was like insane i mean we had more shrimp than we knew what to do with so i and find bailey, that that's, some years that's like, tied bailey that's tied directly to the amount of fresh water right that's that's coming yeah. in and then if mm -hmm. the if if there's just that right amount of fresh water those shrimp will have an incredible spawn real successful and then they they have crazy growth rates as well right they exactly. they manage that shrimp fishery almost like they do alaska salmon like they yeah. have to get figure out so many at a certain size boom then they and open there's it different up quadrants yeah 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 there's different yeah. areas that open at different times for different amounts of time and all and y'all have, kind of have I mean, brown and white shrimp right both species yeah. you have brown and white shrimp right yeah yeah right. so, and then the you blue know, crabs our blue well, crabs, the blue crabs they're good i mean you know i that's a so that's another one uh, you know two years ago if you asked me about the blue crabs i'd be on here being like there's no more blue crabs and you know we're on the dark side of the moon with blue crabs and uh that's the reason why the fish aren't around as much but then all of a sudden again this fishery there's like this year there's i was there's I, I actually had like a jellyfish that was washed up on the shore and there are like four blue crabs like picking at the jellyfish today like i don't know what that i don't know what that's about but they were like all over the marsh so um it's an underwater that, that, spider that lives three years and they have to mate <laughs> the male has to run into a female once in her life and the male touches her and she keeps the sperm and like one of her claw when it's in whenever she's ready she fertilizes i mean it is literally uh, in the chesapeake bay 
they spend so much time and energy trying to manage blue crabs and it's like a 97% commercial fishery, 95%. And when I worked on just Maryland issues, I was like, I was like, dear baby Jesus, thank you for not making me work on blue crabs because I'm staying the hell out of it. Cause it's like 95% commercial. I don't want to deal with it. It's a, I, I say over, it is an underwater spider that lives three years and a, and a boy and a girl have to bump into each other once for her to spawn. Like here's the management plan for a group of blue crabs. If there's not a lot of them, make sure there's marsh grass, a, a submerged aquatic vegetation and, and stop killing them for about a year for so many of them. You still kill them. There's not quite as many. And I mean, it's just, it's not, they just, they don't, they, their life cycle, you know, whatever. And then y'all are covered up in mullet. Do oh, y'all, yeah. y'all have, y'all have mummy chogs. Uh, we call them like mummy chogs, bull minnows, um, mosquito fish. fish, killifish. Yeah. Cockahoe minnows is what the Cockahoe thing minnows, call right. Them. Yeah. That's, that's like a Snickers bar to a redfish. A lot of times, like yeah. a lot of times around here, man, a big, a big bull minnow, killifish, whatever you want to call it. one of those big ones, they will swim past a mullet or anything else to eat one of them. They love them around here. I, I don't know if that's the same by you. Like my goodness. Oh yeah. Yeah. Glass minnows, blood minnows. I mean, you name oh, it. We got, go ahead. And you got your pogey. You got, you know, that, that, I know that. Yeah, well, I've seen that. You got that. That's a whole nother issue. Right well, there. that was kind We're of. We're going to do another yeah, podcast that about one. that here coming up here in a little bit. I was I, saving that one, but yeah, yeah, you know, the pogey boat thing, that's uh, a whole nother uh, Russian doll. Yeah, but Bailey and but, I could riff on that for a while, seeing as like, they're right by well, we'll him. We'll go back to this then. Right, blue crabs. They're right by me. <laughs> and we'll go back. We'll go back to blue crabs. So yeah, Chesapeake Bay is supposed to be blue crab central, right? Yeah. Um, sure. So Tony used to put on this uh, this fly tying show. It was uh, it was all you know back you know it was all the honored Lefty Cray's Lefty Cray tie fest, and we we always had a great time and brought some pretty amazing people in and. It's just a good time, um, but you go to you go to one of the local bars and oyster house crab shacks later on, and you know I mean it, this wasn't too too far down the road. I mean within the past five years, I'd say, and we get there, and I'm like, it's like I've got to have blue crabs. You know, we're gonna I want a bunch of crabs. Keep bringing them. You know, we're gonna just eat them. It's like well, by the way, it's like or how fresh are the crabs? Oh, they're they're pretty fresh. We just got them in from Louisiana. Like really, no shit. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the truth. So like, that's the- we are bl- they we are not blessed with the twelve month fishery. So like here, you know, come like November, December starts getting cold. The male crabs and the female crabs split up, and they either bury themselves in the mud. The f- oh, God Lord, I'm probably gonna get this wrong. Everybody's gonna make fun of me. Send your comments to comments at uh, saltwaterguidesassociation.org. If I get this wrong, you can ridicule me. But if I remember <laughs> correctly, if I remember correctly, the females go down to the mouth of the bay and bury themselves in the mud there, and then the males go up far far north as you can get uh, and bury themselves there. So they're they're like dormant in the mud because I always had tie fest. Uh, in February, so they weren't even close to getting out of the mud. Christ, man, we could have ice on the bay. Bailey didn't even know what that is. That's just yeah. something Bailey puts in a drink. I could walk across <laughs> like it su- sucks, man. When salt water freezes, you know it's cold, right? I mean, you know it's cold. Yeah, so, that's a that's an automatic no go if that happens down here. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying. I'm <laughs> staying cool. inside myself, Bailey. I'm not gonna lie. So, uh, <laughs> so the truth is, like Blaine said, when you go to one of our crab houses, and I mean, you can't swing a dead cat around here without hitting a crab house. Now, now, Bailey, you go. You go really laugh, but it, in the winter, they're all from Louisiana. Every single crab, every Chesapeake Bay crab picking house. They, they got stuck on a truck and were driven up here from Louisiana. And that's the guy's honest truth. But, you know, um, the only reason why these people, because I'm not, I'm not a born and bred Marylander, 
and, and God help me for what I'm about to say. I'm just going to be honest. I've lived in a huh. lot of places. Y'all's food is terrible. Maryland. Like <laughs> we never Bailey. It's the truth. Don't ever come up here to eat. Right. It's just not like there's little pockets like Baltimore has little Italy or something like that, man. The, like the, the local cuisine, they're like, it's like they stuff ham with cabbage. I'm like, the hell would eat that like y'all never y'all never had dressing or like turkey or something that's what you eat for christmas like what's wrong with you so anyway the food (laughs) here is terrible and it's because they don't have they don't have things like crayfish right i mean who the hell wouldn't eat a crawfish over blue crab if you put a pile of crawfish down on a table where you're from and two sacks of uh, two sacks of crawfish and a bunch of blue crabs I would bet you the blue crabs are almost the last thing to be. Um, I'm definitely going for the crawfish first, but they are also dude. a lot easier to get the meat out of. <laughs> how, far, yeah. how, far down do you see, how far down do you see your, again, predator, prey? Uh, do you see that crossover from crayfish, redfish will target crayfish? Do you, do you get them that far down in there? Mixed oh, yeah, in you know, whatever. Yeah, in our brackish marsh systems, you have them eating, um, I mean, you know, predator prey thing uh the redfish will eat the crawfish i mean they'll they'll eat um i've seen them in front of their their muscles i mean i've I've watched one eat a duckling before uh believe it or not i mean they will eat you know i've seen them try to eat baby nutria um all sorts of stuff i was telling tony the other day i found one one time with a stingray um barb stuck out of its face so like you know i don't know what he was thinking but apparently he was going for the stingray <laughs> nice so we so we do we have nutria here now too by the way oh <laughs> okay all right yep so you, yep. Feel, feel, you can you can pretend you're in louisiana when you're pulling around there. Hey, <laughs> speaking I, mean, of- I said that i was like damn it you know it's i, I you know it's it's pretty cool to, it's not cool but it is it's got a wild well just like, wait they'll start offering like five bucks a tail like they do down here Looks like a capybara down in the Amazon. It's like Bailey. I, I hate I've breaking it to they, you. They they already have. <laughs> There's oh, already there a bounty okay, for them. That's nice. And in the Maryland portion of the Chesapeake Bay, it was reported either last year or the year before that we killed the last nutrient. Because I look, oh. you, you turn you turn some Eastern Shore shore billies, you put a bounty on something and turn them loose on it. <laughs> They'll put it yeah, down. I, I, pr- I promise you, they'll get those little subsonic 22s and go around in their boat and put one right behind each nutrient's ear until that boat's about to sink. And uh, and and they may they may be in Virginia, Blaine, but that, it, it, there was a news article. I kid you not, we actually eradicated an invasive species because they were they were captive fur trade. Somebody was growing them and they got out. Um, just like the sick of deer I was telling you about, man, some mm-hmm. stuff gets out here and it explodes. I got, we got more, I got more snakeheads in my County than anywhere outside of China. So like if you take something and you put it here, it's going to do really good, really good. Like we're the, we're the land of invasive species, man. Except so, um, except so, well, that's cause they're, <laughs> They're from here, right? That's the problem. That's yeah. the problem. They're too damn delicate. They're from here. You know, if they're from China, we'd be, I'd be neck deep in striped bass right now. They'd be they'd be crawling up, crawling up off the riprap, coming to get my dogs. Um, you need to get the Asiatic pink striped bass up in there or something. Yes. You know, sure there's some kind of exotic yeah. variant. It's got yeah, it's like the the tiger fish with the teeth, man. Like little kids are running in, like it bit me, mom. The fish bit me. Like you know, it's. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that if that shows up in a couple of years. So we got Bailey. We got some. Um, we got some stuff coming up on redfish. We got a stock assessment. So that mm-hmm. thing is probably coming out. From what I understand, the first quarter of 2023, it's going. It's going to peer review now, which means you're going to have a lot of real bright people looking at it from all over the country, making sure they carried the ones and dotted the eyes and all that kind of fun stuff. We'll get that. It's going to take a little while to go through it. Everybody's going to get it. And they're going to look at one page and start shouting out the changes that need to be made. 
And what you got to do is you got to go through the document more than a few times, figure out, um, figure out what a good course of action is, what the regulations now, you know, what do you want which what you want the fishery to look like, what you're willing to give up to get it there. And, uh, and, and those things, a lot of people are going to disagree on that. But if, if in the meantime, these new regulations, the comments for speckle trout are December into December, 2022, if we can get good regulations on the books for speckle trout, that may in the long run, because let me tell you something, people aren't catching 15 trout now, are they? Bam. No, no. So Not if we, you get it back up to 15 at 13 and a half, that's a win for everybody, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, again, I think that the decision to go to that um, not only is a great step in the right direction for the commission, but it's also showing that public opinions shifting on this. Um, the fact that this is mostly a favorable thing uh, from what I've seen is definitely going to go a long way when it comes time to look at what's going on with the redfish, right? I mean, I think this is a lot of that preliminary headway um, hopefully carries over to the redfish as far as like, okay, like we've acknowledged that there is a problem. We've acknowledged that there is a need for change. Let's go ahead and get moving on it and figure Bailey, out what we when need y'all, to do. When, okay. Like have y'all made it over that hump and that hump is when you go to these meetings or you talk to people that certain people actually look at you and be like, there's not a problem. People catching plenty of speckled trout. Y'all are bad fishermen. I mean, is that, have y'all gotten over that? Is there pretty much consensus among the respects, the respected folks that, okay, look, man, cut the, cut the shit. There's a problem. Right. Or or are there still like that loud, the loud folks in the corner that are like, I, 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 the the speckled trout are eating all the blue crabs and the shrimp. We need to kill more speckled trout because they're eating too much stuff. Are you still hearing that junk or? Well, you know, you're you're getting some of it, but you're definitely getting less. I would say, uh, like I mentioned earlier, like when this all first came up right around COVID happening, um, there was a lot more of that kind of pushback. Uh, Now, it's a lot less. I mean, you're always going to have some of that, but it is a lot less. Way And again, it's like I said earlier, I think it's because people have just been confronted with the reality of going out repeatedly and seeing, like you said, they're not even catching 15 fish. I mean, they're catching, you know, I think I saw this. I'm not, I'm just kind of quoting off memory here, but I think I saw like the average recreational trout fisherman the past last year was catching like three to five keeper fish. So it's like, you know, Oh, that's, that's bad. Uh, I mean, yeah, dude, that's bad. That like consistent. usually, usually you catch three to five waiting for your friend to park the truck in the trailer right not exactly a tough fish to catch right no and that was the whole thing right it was like how fast like we're talking about like especially i remember growing up like how quickly can you get off the water with your you know if we have three guys in the boat you're 75 fish in a cooler right i mean and it was like we're off the water by 10 a.m good day now that's changed heavily i mean people are having to stay out all day to get like you know, enough to eat that night. Um, I, look, there's some, some, there's some people who still operate their business like that in the mid Atlantic and the Northeast. And they're like, got our limit. Let's go home, pick up the oh, next, yeah. you know, group. And I mean, I've never been on one of those boats, but if I, if I was on one of those boats, I'd be like, hold up. <laughs> Your website said eight, <laughs> eight hours for this much. Oh yeah. Like, what do you mean we're going back? Like I didn't I, you catch dude, a couple fish. I mean, I'd so, be like, dude, I this ain't ha- like we, man, we are not peas and carrots, right? We're not gonna get along today, are we? So. I I had a I had a client that had some uh guys down here that were conventional fishing and um he was fly fishing with me and uh, went on, I, I don't know who or what or whatever, but was on a trip like that with one of these guys and like limited out. And the guy's like, all right, we're heading back in. They're like, well, can't we like fish and just do some, you know, just catch some fish and put them back in. And apparently the guy just looks at him. He's like, 
no, that's pointless. Just sit down, just roll them in. Like, <laughs> that's not even an option. Wait a like, minute. Oh uh, wait a minute, dude. I, I lived it. I, I, I'm not going to say why <laughs> I was there, but I was on a, a business trip in Lake Charles. And, and I was like, Hey man, you know, what's that thing on your, on your console? Is that like a pitch counter? And he's like, yeah, that's how oh, I count yeah. speckle trout. And I'm like, are you shit? Are you shitting me? Like, he's like, no, I don't want to go through the cooler and count 75. I'm like, dude, I'm not keeping any. Like, I don't want to keep any. Oh, yeah. And he looked at me like I was like, like I had just, like, what are we doing? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, I can't, I really can't. In this day and age, I got a couple of analogies in my head, but I will pay dearly if I say any of them. He looked at me <laughs> funny. He looked at me funny when I said that. And then we got on the boat, to another a different boat the second day. And the guy looked at me and he's like, oh, I heard about you. I was like, damn, anything. I'm famous. I'm like, you're that guy. I, yeah. Like, you heard guy, Tony? you. And, you know, I'm like, oh, but, you know, it must be hard to pick out. I'm the only person with my own rod, you know, because I was the only one fly fishing. So uh, <laughs> everyone else. Yeah, you were double whatever. You were double down on. on yeah, that. I'm like, yo, yeah, yeah. I that just is where fly in their fishing eye. got the bad rap right there, Tony. <laughs> yep. It is. That's, That's exactly the genesis. Some Yankee coming down <laughs> with his fly rod and wants to save all the fish and throw them back in. Yeah, I was like, man. what the hell? Where am I? Like 75 <laughs> trout. I'm like, dude, fly rod, just piece it down because that's way too inefficient. Like, to I was waiting, I was waiting know. for Wilford Brimley to step out of the marsh and be like, you're gonna get the diabetes. Like, dude, <laughs> that many fried fish is like not good for you. Like, it's just like 70. That's 150 fillets, man. If I'm counting right. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, like, woof. So, well, so to, to yeah. speak to that real quick, uh, just to voice something about that, you know, talking about has, has the public opinion changed? Is there less pushback about like, oh, well, we're catching fish. You guys just don't know what you're doing. There's less of that. But I also think something that's been a great benefit of the fly fishing industry down here growing um, like it is, is a lot of these other guides are also seeing that like, look, you know, people, guys like me, uh, we're fishing, you know, 250 days a year down here and we don't keep a single fish. And I don't have any problem with clients coming back again and again and again, not keeping a fish. And when you kind of have that conversation with them, you know, they start to realize like, oh, OK, maybe, you know, I'm not reliant on catching as many fish as quickly as possible for my clients to have a good time and want to come back. So like, there's a little bit of that going on too, which uh, is really good. Um, as far well, as it takes a stuff. long time, especially since I primed the pump for all of them to hate us so many years yes, ago, well, yeah, it's going to take, you've, you've put us back <laughs> decades. Yeah, totally. You're not the first person to say that Bailey. So you just like <laughs> kind of turn in a battleship. You know what I mean? Uh, it takes a little while, um, but um, no, you know, uh, I guess, Bailey, the big takeaways are Louisiana is a 12-month fishery. Like, don't kid yourself. Absolutely. And just don't, you know, it's it's not just a wintertime thing. Like, y'all have fish 12 months out of the year, and every, it's not like what season's different, every day is different. You just don't Absolutely, know until yeah. you kind of get out there. Yeah, I just tell guys, you know, when I say if you want to have those like Louisiana great days is like invest the time, you know, book some trips, spend the days. And when you get the conditions, you're going to have good fishing. It doesn't really matter what time of year. You just got to invest some time down here, basically. So we so. got we got big things coming up. Twelve month a year fishery. Big things coming up. Comment period winding down into December for speckled trout. And then as soon as we all take a breath from that, here comes the stock assessment for redfish. And that's yeah. going to be, that's going to be the important one just for the listeners out there. Cause there are so many destination people. There are so many of our listeners who probably have been to Louisiana to catch redfish because it is the spot, kind of that first spot that people think of, uh, boom, you know, Louisiana redfish marsh. So <clears throat> I think that they'll, 
absolutely appreciate because of the tourism that's generated by redfish i think our folks will absolutely they'll absolutely appreciate getting comments from people who spend their hard-earned dollars in louisiana and um and you know the guides association is going to be here to educate um our our network on all that's going on uh because this is really a crucial time um this is y'all aren't hitting the panic button but you also don't want to so this is exactly. a real important time. This is the spot for this iconic species. Let's not screw this up, right? We don't have to screw this up. We can get this one right. We done. We screwed up a lot of stuff. We'll get this one right. So Bailey, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on the podcast. If anybody wants to tell me where blue crabs spend the winter in the Chesapeake Bay, and I mixed up the genders. Uh, north and south please make fun of me any other comments uh if somebody from maryland's really mad that i said your food's terrible i can discuss that with you over email i'm sorry for you too um because man you didn't grow up you didn't grow up with mama's cornbread i promise you that like woof, man it's rough around here and my 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 uh up and coming co-host plain chocolate thank you uh like if your comfort level's rising because you're starting to make fun of me too, like everybody else, that's when I know like people start to get comfortable when they just start taking shots. We were on a Zoom call yesterday out of the blue. This guy, a scientist, just took a shot at me on in the chat. And I was like, what That the was hell pretty brutal. This? I was there for yeah, that. Oh, you were on the call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not lying, folks. So listen, thank y'all for for listening to us. Thank Bailey and Blaine for being on the show. And we'll catch up with y'all real soon.